Double XL's the breakers for all you aspiring rappers who need a little help getting on. This is the place to get all the info on how to make it in hip-hop from some of the biggest and most experienced names in the game, like me, your dope boy Troy Ave. Pay attention and special guests drop knowledge to help you become a star. This is Double XL's The Break Podcast. What's up? This is Vanessa Satin, editor-in-chief of Double XL. I'm here with Miranda Johnson. We are on episode 10 of XXL's The Break Podcast, where new artists come first. Um, Miranda, what is the topic, this issue? The topic is um, whether they go independent or major. So independent versus major. Indie versus major. Okay. Yeah. So well, we spoke to... Um, Rob Kiafa over at Def Jam. I think he's VP of Marketing at Def Jam. Yes, yes, yes. We spoke with Logic, who's a Def Jam artist, and he, uh, you know, has been very successful over there as one of their solo artists. And we spoke to Little Dicky, a newer artist who's uh, been successful on the indie tip, you know, um, on the come up, trying to find his way. And, and we've got advice on a few different sides of this whole thing. So let's start with the interview from Rob Kiafa. I think to, 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 to be honest, I think the major difference between an indie and a major really winds up coming down to the different services and the reach that each one of them can have. I think that if you're an artist that ha is a body of work type of artist, um, you know, just loosely said, you know, your, 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 your music and your work is a body of work where it's not necessarily, let's say, on radio, you know what I mean, there's a strategy there. Um, you know, with the majors, it's an all-encompassing umbrella of services. So, you know, if you've got a body of work, then we, we make sure that we introduce you to all the different outlets that are out there to help promote your record from not just from the marketing perspective in terms of ideation, but, you know, the digital reach, the, the infamous radio promo reach, uh, our international reach, all of those things. Got you. So now these days a kid's going to think, oh, oh, my God, I want to go indie. I'm going to make so much money independently and, you know, fuck the man. That's the major label, da-da-da-da-da. Or it's going to be like, you know, I want to get on that major because they've got all that money and, you know, mm -hmm. they've got a budget and all that. But it seems like there aren't that many artists really running that indie route as much as we kind of think they are. Correct. Do so you think that's the case, that it seems like, Oh, there's this movement for independence, but really, what independent really is, we don't we don't really have that many rappers that are really kind of succeeding in that world. Or what do you think? I mean, yeah, I think it's a little bit. Of, I think it's a little bit of 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 of, of everything. Um, you know, I think ultimately an artist has to kind of be overly educated on 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 both spectrums, and they also have to kind of Lego house it together, for lack of a better term. So again, they have to be comfortable with how they see their project and then how much room they want in that project. Right. Right. So you know. um, what does it mean to be independent these days? What is it? Is it if you are distributed by a major, can you, are you counted as independent? What, what do you think an independent artist is in hip-hop? Man, I mean, when I think independent, um, I, think, I think the perfect example might, is Joey Badass. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think that, you know, his... His his scope of in terms of it ties right back into the body of music and the body of his campaign was very tight knit. It was very niched into you know what that base was and what that demo base was, and it was very micro specific. Um, so he definitely touched um, a lot of his core base. Um, but me personally, I don't see how then he carries over, or for him and any other artist in terms of that indie experience, how they take it into that next level of exposure and growth. 
Can you not get on radio if you're on an indie? Is it that cut and dry? Or no, it's not that cut, cut and dry. I, if, if Listen, I, I subscribe to, you know, a, a hit fixes everything, and I don't see a hit from any artist, whether you're indie or major, not making it on the radio. Right, right. So what's the idea? Would the idea, ignorantly, is you go over to a major and they're going to just throw a whole bunch of money at you, or they're going to give them money at you and you've got to pay it back? Like, break it down. How does the – you're a new artist. You sign to Def Jam or any label. I'm not asking for specifics, but what's the first move that starts to happen with a new artist? I think they uh, all think they're going to sign and get a big check. Is, is yeah, no. I mean, nowadays, even across the spectrum of the the, the landscape as 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 a whole, you know, I, those those types of big checks automatically aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think, you know, if an artist, first thing the artist gets signed, he comes in, for example, he or she comes in, and, you know, it's imperative that now we start inducing them and introducing them into what, who that artist's core team is. And then we start coming up with strategies. I think that, again, based on the current landscape, for the music industry and where we are with the economics, a lot of it is kind of shifted into, okay, this is the artist, this is the music, now where's the strategy? And who's responsible for that strategy? Is it you guys, based on your experience, is the artist because they've already established it in order to get that deal? How does the strategy come into place, and how much are you guys listening to the new artist versus saying, we're the experts we know? Oh, no, it's a combination. It's 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 a, a true partnership. Um, I mean, and that's probably one of the best stages for me is that stage because it allows you to – you know, again, creative footprint and a partnership between us, the experts, and the artists, the experts themselves. I mean, they're going to know, you know, just based if, – if you're having an artist that's already has some traction out there, for example, and has done shows and is very in tune with their – with their fans, then yes, of course, we have to kind of explore with them what that DNA for that for, for their artist is and making sure that each one of the touch points that we come up with and any ideation that comes up, it kind of really hones into, you know, who the artist is, what the artist's vision is, what they want to convey with their music. So it's a partnership from the beginning to the end. Now, if you have one of those situations where an artist and the management team, you know, are completely fresh very in infancy stages and don't have a put footprint, haven't established a foundation, you know, and then they come to us to, as experts, then we then create, help create that foundation for them so that, you know, we're consistently just kind of moving up that ladder of development. Right. So a new artist signs, I sign, Joe Blow signs for your label. What's the first thing you'd like to see him do after he gets a deal? Uh, let's sit down and listen. Let's talk about your vision. Talk about their vision. Talk and about then, the vision. Super important. And how often are they in touch with what's going on in their vision, or how much do you have to usually set the tone for them and reel them in? Um, it just depends. I, listen, I think that that it, it depends because you are talking about something that's um, emotionally tied. It's it's highly creative, so it really does depend on the personality of, of of the artist. And again, it goes right back to the DNA of the artist. So each case differs. Right. So what's the, the – I've always been confused by – I think a lot of people are confused by, you know, it's common sense to you is that what are you paying back? How does the money work without exact numbers or round numbers? You're a new artist. You get signed. Do you get a signing bonus 
do you get a budget for your project? What what literally happens when you sign a deal? Um, again, that's one of those situations where it winds up being a case by case based on what's negotiated. Um, right. You know, from both sides. So you know, your advance is negotiable based on what you're signing. Um, it's going to be as well as you know what you know caveats can be carved into. Uh, you know the, the the contract. You know some artists kind of go in and carve out discretionary fund, and some don't. It just really depends. That's kind of really one of those sensitive kind of like I always call it roundtable White House negotiations. Right. You know what I mean? Like those kind of start that back and forth between both sides and their attorneys, and ultimately they arrive at one particular you know contract that everybody agrees on. So what when you mean when you say in advance, what exactly does an advance mean? Um, it's almost like a loan. I always look at it like if you go to a bank, you're taking a pre-loan, right? And in advance, you know, depending on what that money, what what that amount could be, allows the artist to, you know, live comfortably or somewhat comfortably so that they can do nothing but concentrate on their craft. And out of that advance, is that where recording studio time comes no, from? No, 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 no. So no. you did artists would get an additional budget for that kind of stuff later. I mean, typically the way it works is that you have one recording budget, and from that recording budget, a advance is kind of allotted. I got it. Gotcha. And then you still have the recording budget, so it kind of works in sync. Only because you want the artists to get the advance so they can live, while they just solely concentrate on then recording. Right. In an okay. ideal world. In an ideal world. This is exactly. all in an ideal world, yes. <laughs> okay, so now you're a new artist, you sign, you're running around from place to place, you're bringing all your boys wherever you go. You're now, this is, the, this is the old topic, you're responsible for the cost of all your boys traveling with you? Yep. And so what happens? A guy goes on the road, he brings his five friends with him, he pretends he's the road manager, he's the so-and-so, he's the so-and-so, he's the weed carrier. You've got to pay for or that their travel, their hotel, their food, whatever it is that the artist is responsible for, is ultimately coming out of their budget at the label, and they have to pay it back, right? Right. I mean, we typically put in particular um, parameters around things like travel. So, you know, for a developing artist, you know, the travel party is going to be minimal. I mean, it's just core. Um, and then anyone that the artist feels that needs to be a plus, then we leave that to the artist and their respective management teams to have them offset that cost. Right. Um, so, you know, we're very mindful of just kind of really paying attention to that because you're right, it could get so out of control that you're going to have an artist with 10 homies, you know, running up the budget. And But ultimately, it's no different than the loan. You know, right. you're getting, you know, money put against your project so that we can set it up, build it, and create the foundation. But ultimately, you know, that's just, it's, it's a loan. Right. And have you seen new artists waste money? Have you seen new artists? I mean, what are the wrong moves a new artist can make after they sign a deal? Uh, I mean, listen, I don't know if I would quantify how artists spend their money as wrong or right. Um, I think that, you know, I don't get too involved in their financial, um, you know, lives. Um, I do think that artists should be very, very, very smart in terms of what they do with their advance and figure out other, you know, investment avenues. That if you just the money, what are moves that the artist that you've seen? You know, you sign an artist. What's something that you want to see them do, and you're excited by once you once they're signed to the label, or what's something? I had one particular that? artist that bought a house. First okay. thing they did was bought a house because they wanted to own real estate. They never wanted to worry about not owning a roof over their head. Wow, interesting. I never heard that before. That was that was one. And then on the other side of the spectrum, I have another artist that bought a Rolex. Right, right. 
right, 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 right. And, and again, it kind of ties into uh, that personality trait of a particular artist. And that can give you a sign of how to watch out, what to expect for them, or what to keep out, you know, what to keep an eye out for, right? Exactly. Exactly, right. Yeah. Um, so what do you think is a win for a new artist? You know, I mean, there's always the bidding wars. Def Jam has won a lot of over the years, so, you know, mm-hmm. the, the new hung, young hot artists that everybody wants. Besides that bidding war, you know, if you've got a new artist, what do you think um, is that next goal? What do you think that, you know, besides getting that deal, what's that next goal once they first sign, you know? Um, I mean, the next goal once they're signed is to really just now let, you know, amplify what what they've done thus far. It's all mm-hmm. about amplification of what led them to the table to sign with us, and then we act as amplifiers to that. Got you. And now, if, now as far as artists getting your attention, you know, it's changed over the years on how people are going to get a label's attention. What do you think is the best way for an artist to get himself out there to get you guys to pay attention? I mean, listen, it's it's content, man. Content is king. Mm-hmm. Content is king. Visuals, mixtapes, especially if you're a hip-hop artist. Man, you got to flood mixtapes. You got to get your music out. You got to have visuals. Um, you know, I think we're at the cup of a perfect example is um, this the new kid, Slim Jesus. You know what I mean? He's just now become a, a subject of conversation for obvious reasons. But, you know, this kid just started off of just putting content out there. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So it's super important because I know you and I remember the days where the A&Rs and us used to go to showcases and we would have people come up and, you know, listen to what it is. And nowadays it's like, yo, what is your visual? Yo, this kid's YouTube is at a million and, you know, he's got a, his, you know, um, his his song is streaming at, you know, this so amount of number. His socials are here and, you know, his Instagram is here and everybody's talking about this. And so it's it's really about what that real estate is going to be so that because that real estate nowadays actually is a great indicator that says just how receptive your music and, 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 and you are as an artist. Right, 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 right. Um, anything else you want to add? Because this is perfect, right on the money with everything that we were curious about, you know, as far as the famous Def Jam. No, I mean, listen, I think that, you know, music is is, is ever-evolving, man, and it's really going to be up to us to just keep keep on the heels of that evolution. And for young artists out there that are kind of developing their skill set, they, they have to equally start paying attention to the other avenues and, and the bullhorns, for lack of a better term, that allows them to kind of spread the music. Right. You know, but ultimately Perfect. it's so important for them to create a fan base so that there's something there that helps cement their foundation while they're simultaneously, you know, working to get that major or that indie deal. So the major label is interesting. I mean, it's you sign to a major, you sign an indie. It seems mostly like most artists end up on a major label at some point. Mm-hmm. They're indie early on. The true indies, who are they? I mean, you've got the Strange Music Movement. Yep. You've got uh, Richard McQuan. You've got Chance the Rapper. You've got Malcolm Ward. Then that always comes into the thing of where they're getting distribution help right. from. But it seems like for the most part, artists go to be on a major label, which um, which is interesting because, you know, it's it seems like there's a mentality of fuck the system, fuck the system, fuck the label, fuck the system. But it's kind of really where most of them end up or want to be in the long run, you know? Right. Is there some big factors with the major label? Um, you know, getting the money and having those relationships is key to, you know, getting your music out there and heard and on the radio. Well, the, the cool part about uh, Rob's interview is that he walked us through what an advance is, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
how it's basically a, a loan to, to live comfortably so that you can craft your art. Right. Um, he talked about a recording budget. He talked about, you know, how everybody kind of there's uh, regular standard numbers people get, but also there's what he calls the meeting of the minds mm-hmm. kind of thing where they discuss, it's like a round table. Uh, he calls it the, I guess, the White House round table where mm-hmm. they negotiate the terms that are going to be for whatever that artist is. And I'm assuming the, you know, the unsaid thing is the hotter you are, the better deal you get. You know, if they going to, if Def Jam is going against a whole other label's, whole bunch of other labels to win that new artist they've got to offer a better deal mm-hmm. and that's a little bit what logic's going to bring up a little later is is getting those different offers but um but understanding what a recording budget is understanding that you are ultimately responsible for um a lot of different elements that come in that budget you know it's not you just spending the label's money it's you spending money that's going to come out of a budget that you've been allotted so it basically is your money yep i love how when he was saying that Instead, he pays attention to those rappers who some will buy, you know, a, a big car and some will buy a big ass Well, he house. said he had one yeah. that with his first big check, he got a house so he'd never be homeless and he got one that got a Rolex. Right. Now, who's to say which one of those artists is going to be more famous? Mm-hmm. Who's to say which one's going to be a stronger artist just because he made the decision early on to buy a house over a Rolex or a Rolex over a house? But it's still just interesting to see the way people think. Right. Um, okay, so heading into Logic. Logic, we all love Logic. Logic was an XXL freshman. He also has had two hit solo albums. I think he always surprises people with his sales. And um, and he loves Rubik's Cube, right? Yes. All right, so let's see what, video. Exactly. <laughs> let's see what Logic, and congrats on the, on the marriage. Let's see what Logic has to say about signing to a major label. So um, you have had a success over at Def Jam. You've been there for a little while. But you, didn't, you know, you, you've, uh, you've started out. Um, you know, on your own independently in a uh, DMV. How did you, how long did you wait once you were in your career before you actually signed to a major label? Uh, I waited about three years. So, or actually it was about two years. Um, yes, I was with Visionary Music Group. That was the independent. And I was kind of doing my thing for a while. On, just on my own, I dropped one tape myself. Um, and then we got together and we dropped another tape. And that's when kind of all the, all the, Sit downs came and, and sit down with the label X and the president and stuff like that. Yeah. Did you guys weigh and try to decide whether you wanted to stay the indie route or go the major route? Did you knew you always wanted to go to the major route? Uh, yeah, I think we always knew we wanted to go to the major route because we knew what we wanted. Um, I think it's funny because it's almost like the, the topic signing to a major is almost like religion. You know, what works for you or or what's the right religion or the right way. It's I, I feel like it's more so. There's no right or wrong answer as long as the artist sets themselves up. So we kind of knew from the beginning that's what we wanted to do, but we wanted to ensure that regardless of who we went with, that we did it the right way and that we did have, in fact, um, the control that we wanted. But a lot of people think it's about control, 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 when more so it's about partnership. So whoever you work with, they just have to have more or less the same vision you do. How much is it about financing? How much is it to get money? How much is it to get money? Um, to get money up front, you know what I mean? To get money to start doing things up front. How much is it you think, oh, major label, now we're going to go have money, somebody's going to pay for stuff? Um, I think that's a, it's a, that's a big deal. But for, for us, it was more so about the money to have distribution. Because that, that, you know, that's a big reason why we made all the moves that we made because at Visionary, you know, Chris Zeru, he's my manager, he's the CEO, he founded it, uh, the, the independent label, Visionary Music Group. He 
always said never do anything for the money, which I know sounds stupid, but he meant he meant <laughs> he meant immediately. Like he was like, don't ever do anything for an immediate payoff, because uh, uh, my first offer I ever had um, was I'm not going to say where it was from, but the very very first offer I ever had was for uh, ten thousand dollars, <laughs> and and uh, you know Chris was like, hey, we're going to go take the meeting. You're going to sit down. And you're just going to see what it's like. That's it. He was like, this isn't a deal you're going to take. The next one was for $30,000. The next one after that was for $1.5 million through an independent, uh, another indie label, which where they just had a lot of money. And we, we you know, declined that as well. Um, so I was pretty much building my experience while building my brand, deciding where I wanted, wanted to go. Right. So that gives you the ability to make more decisions or you have the power. A hundred percent. I think when you have a fan base, um, it's 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 such it's just so important um, simply because you don't feel controlled, you know. Because I think a lot of new artists in any genre could walk into a, a record label with executives that have been there for twenty, thirty years, don't even know how the how the business is honestly changing anymore through digital marketing and Twitter and all these things, and they say, well, you have to do it this way, or you have to make this song, or you have to, you know, a song was already produced and written, you have to do this because you're signed to us. But I think that if you build a true fan base, and you kind of go, hey, I don't give a shit, you know what I mean, like, I can do this with or without you, they know it's true and they want to do their best to be involved. So it kind of forces um, certain people who uh, might not necessarily fully understand it to sit back and then really listen to you and really understand, okay, well, this kid has a fan base. Regardless of who it is, whether it's a hip-hop artist, a pop artist, anybody, and they go, wow, they have a fan base. They already have something. Um, How can we keep them happy, and how can we get involved? And that's where I believe that true term partnership comes in when signing from a, a, an indie or being indie going to a major. So how much of it, I mean, also when you're coming to a major label, those are people that have experience already. How do you decide when you're going to listen to them and when they should listen to you? That's really funny because I came in at, at such a turning point. So we came we're like where the industry was just so upside down. You know, it's, it's really funny because even now, right now, for example, um, like back in the, man, Way, way back in the day, it was all about, like, 45s, like, vinyls and singles and stuff, right? And then you had people like Bob Dylan and all these people changing the game by creating full-length LPs. And it's funny because I almost feel like that's where we are in this day and age where now it's all about the single. It's about the single. Oh, it totally is. You wonder if it's going to be the death of the album and it just be single-driven, you know? And then, you know, that's five what, years from now, all of a sudden pops up and is like, let me try an album, and that's going to be revolutionary, you know? That's what I'm saying, and that's what I'm trying to be. You know, that's what I'm trying to do. And I think, uh, I think when you sit down with these people and you kind of explain, like, what it is, you know what I mean, that, that they have no choice. Like, it, it wasn't like a power thing. It's like things are changing so much. Every day, still every day. I mean, it's cra- like even my come up, for example, I came up on the blog. That was like my biggest thing. I'll never forget, I'm not just saying this, I'll never forget the first time I was even posted on XXL and I was, I think I was on tour. It was like my very, very first tour or something. I was somewhere, but I was in a hotel room and I'll never forget seeing my face on XXL, uh, you know, uh, the website and just jumping up and down and be like, oh my God, oh my God, this is incredible. You know what I mean? And, but it's crazy because perception, it's just so different. Of course, that's amazing, but really my goal should have been which, what it is right now. Like even, even being happy on the cover, uh, you know, with nine other cats, I still want the cover 
by myself. Now, I know this is straying a little bit, but what I'm saying is having that vision. So for me, when you sit down with these people, there's already an agreement that is not only, you know, spoken, it's not only sealed with a handshake. You make sure that shit is sealed in the paperwork as well. And that's that's the reason that I went with Def Jam because, I mean, solely in the beginning for for no ID, um, just because of him being not only an artist as a producer and a legend who's worked with greats, you know, we already pretty much should know who those are if we're talking about hip-hop, but then being an executive and not just trying to fuck kids over, you know what I mean? Like he wants to really help them make something of, of themselves. So it was like even in my contract, I made sure there was full creative control. And then you have lawyers that try to put in little things in there like a last say clause. Right. Technically, you can create what you want, but then they have a last say of whether they can put it out. And you got to take shit like that out, and you got to make right. a good lawyer. So, yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of ups and downs. Right, 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 right. Do you think that there's things, and, and uh, do you think that there's things that you uh, can do because you're on a major that you wouldn't be able to do as an indie artist? Do you think that there's different doors that open depending on the lane you go, or it doesn't matter like that? Uh, well, you know what's funny? Yeah, I think depending on the lane you go, uh, it does change. But it's weird because everything is changing so much that what you used to think you couldn't do uh, independently, a lot of people are starting to do now. You know what I mean? Like, look at Chance and look at all these. Like, I think Chance is a great uh, example of somebody who is independent. Chance the Rapper, right? Yeah, yeah Chance the Rapper, of somebody who's independent yet has all – I mean, just has almost. it's almost as though he has a major look. But I think that's because hip hop jumped on. Everybody jumped on, you know. And then, and then having records with Bieber and these awesome things like that, it really excelled to the point where he's just like, I do whatever the fuck I want. Do you know what I mean? I'm good. And I think that's what every every artist wants. Like, I'm happy that I can just tour. I'm happy that I can tour the world. I'm happy because I know before this really started, we were talking about these festivals, you know. And I have never done a festival in my life. The first festival I ever did was uh, uh, Soundset, you know, through Atmosphere. Uh, except they do that every year. And, I mean, I was way up there on the bill, and it was kind of crazy to look at my name next to not only these legends but people that I'm a fan of, and it's because I put out this album. It's because, you know, the major got me on Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon. and But but then at the same time, and not to toot myself, you know, but, like, when I go to these places, when I go to Jimmy Kimmel in L.A., and they're telling me, yo, there has never been a fan a fan base this big or, 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 or a line around the block since Justin Timberlake or whatever. I'm like, what? Like, it really, it, it opens my mind, and it, it makes me realize how much power that we've made as an indie, but because of the label and, and the, the, I guess, the strings that they can pull, it shows you, like I said, just why, why that partnership can, can, in fact, be so great. So I do think that there are certain things you can and can't do independently, but at the same time, I think it's changing, and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of independent artists who are going to be able to do things that they could not have been able to do on their own before without a major. So it's it's right. interesting and, and nobody And with a change in technology too. Yeah. You know. Thanks. What um what advice would you give to a new artist who's going down, you know, going through all of that now and trying to decide, should I do it on my own? Should I be sitting with these labels and trying to sign a major and, and Def Jam's gonna save me or, you know, should I go the Macklemore route? How do you what would you do your advice to what you would say to an artist trying to figure that out? Well, I mean, even with Macklemore, he had major distribution, which is yeah, a deal. So it's like it's crazy because I and I fully understand what you're saying, but it's like a lot of these a lot of these younger kids 
They don't. Um, they don't get. They don't get the business. They don't understand. They, they don't actually take the time. You have these people who are so fucking talented. They're so incredible and they're so amazing, but they they lean on their talent and they focus on they focus on bitches and money and and, and they're trying to get the money or trying to get this or trying to get that. And me, like, not just I'm just I'm sitting on more money than I've ever sat on in my life. And it's because I don't go out, I don't party, I don't blow my money, I don't do this, I don't do that. And don't get me wrong, it's it's okay to have a have a good time. But I think my best advice is build your team and make sure it's strong. And know the reason that you're in this game. You can't be in this game because, just because you want to be famous or just because you want this or just because you want that. You have to truly remember your love of music. However, if you are a businessman and your raps really aren't that great but you just, you're just trying to hustle, then you've got to look at it as a business. And you still have to build your team. You have to make sure that you have, uh, you know, your right attorney, your trademark attorney, your agent, your your publicist. Your, you have to have all your ducks in a row because if you don't look at this as a business, you will fail. It's like, it's like you can't go open up your own McDonald's on the block and not know how to run it. You, you, like, you can't not know how to cook the fries and, you know, sign the paychecks at the top. I feel like this is war. This is a war. This is like hip-hop and music industry. And your talent or your knowledge of... This business and yourself is your weapon, and you wouldn't go into war and not know how to disassemble and then reassemble your weapon with your eyes closed and your hands behind your back. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. All right, so what did you get out of that, Miranda? Because I think Logic is a great interview. This is a really good interview. What he said about um, building your fan base so that when you get to that major label, you have more control. I think that's key with new artists. If you do want to go to a label and that is your ultimate goal, Build that fan base and do that groundwork so you get to a certain point and have that le- label take you to the next level, you know? Yeah, that's what he was talking about with um, it's not about control, it's about a partnership. It's not about them, you know, signing to a label. It's not about giving up your control or giving them all of, of you. It's about a partnership of how you guys are going to work together and that you need, just, a lot of times you need distribution um, to get to that next level. You know, so you, you besides the fact that you learn how to be an artist, how to promote things, how to get a publicist, all, getting all those things, you also, the major label's there for the distribution side of things. Um, I thought it was interesting when um, Logic said that his manager told him, don't do anything for an immediate payoff. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think in hip-hop, the thing is money, 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 money. And that's an interesting way of thinking is, you know, the first number that gets thrown at you or whatever it is, the first opportunity, and I guess it can it can go hand in hand, money or opportunity. You don't always have to jump at that option. Right. And he had talked us through getting offered ten thousand, then getting offered this, then getting offered this, until you kind of held out to it finally seemed like the right deal. But that at the same time that he was getting those offers, he was building his actual brand. So three months go by negotiating with labels. That's three months that he's built more fans, established himself, released more music. So it goes hand to hand. Nothing kind of stalls. Right. Very, very informative. Plus the end of his interview, I think, well, Chance the Rapper, great example. That's something that Logic pointed out, you know, as far as today's major, it's really one of the definitions of it, his whole movement. Um, and then I love that that Logic can give Chance the respect. You know, I mean, I think Logic was a freshman before Chance, but, you know, and then, and then probably been around a little bit longer, but that he can give him the respect of the role that he's playing right now. You know, that's, that's a, a good character in itself. And then Logic, in the end, he just goes off and he's into war mode and he's got battle going on and all that. But I like it. I think he's right on the money with it. Mm -hmm. The paperwork stuff, too, when he was saying, make sure your paperwork is right. Oh, my gosh. How many rappers do you see down the line? 
fighting with labels and going at war because they don't make sure their paper rights in the beginning. Check out those clauses. By not doing that, it's almost that you give, like, you know, lawyers or other people a whole different profession of just getting you out of your bad deals. You know, how many people spend time just getting people out of bad deals that they got in because they didn't think. You can go through artists that, you know, have, have signed. And, and I assume with a major, you know, versus maybe you're signing to an indie that's more mom and pop, the major's always going to have their paperwork together and know we've been here a million times. We don't know how to not fuck you over, how to fuck you over between the lines right. or whatever it is, you know, but that... um you know, that's what happens when you're dealing with, oh, I'm a new artist and I want to sign to uh, JoJo Records in Florida because he's the cool dude in the neighborhood. And I know that this cool dude drug dealer who's got his label is going to fund me. Well, who knows how many contracts JoJo's put together and now you're stuck all of a sudden signed for life. And I can't tell oh you, gosh, and I'm not going to drop names because it probably will offend them at this point, but how many artists we come across and... They're just fucked from the start because of the paperwork they signed. Mm -hmm. They have these three herbs over there that they signed a deal with following them forever and they can't get out of it because they signed the life away to them because they were eager. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they signed to a situation where another bigger dude wants to come in and scoop them up, but they're so signed to this smaller person and the bigger dude doesn't want the smaller person. So uh, you've got to be smart about what you're signing when it comes to, I think, the indie game, any game in general, but the mm -hmm. indie because the majors an established business, they have a little bit more to lose. They know what they're doing already. Mm -hmm. When you go with that, the neighborhood drug dealer, then you're playing by street rules instead of, you know, it, 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 whether it be the neighborhood drug dealer or the neighborhood club promoter or yeah. the so and so. You know, I mean, they're not necessarily the person who knows it in the game. So signing to them, they don't know too much more. Mm -hmm. You have a better chance of learning along the way and signing your own thing. I think. I mean, everything's different. But um, all right, so little Dicky, very interesting interview. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Just start the interview, and then we can talk about it. What would you describe your definition as of an independent artist? You know, I only go by what uh, I, I guess people tell me. My understanding, I guess from, you know, I'm new to the music industry, so it's tough, so I don't know the actual definition. But my interpretation of it to some extent is if you're not signed to a major, you're independent. But I don't know if that's just inaccurate. My, I guess my definition is if you're not signed to a label. Like, I think that's what major, it is. You know, like Mac Miller, for example. Mac Miller was signed to Rostrum, and people kind of view him as an independent artist. I think it's just like when you're not signed to a major, that's the, the perception, right? I think that's pretty much what it is. I mean, there's sometimes comes the element of distribution, and you're getting assistance with distribution, and you being an independent artist, but getting help on that side, and, and where do you fit? But I think the the angle you're at is, is truly independent, where you're, the, the funding that you're getting is not coming from the outside. It's coming from what you're creating and, and not from um, major labels or businesses like that. I think that's kind of where it is. It's a big part of the funding and the distribution, you know? Yeah, but with, yeah. with you, and I, I know we have a little bit of a delay here was, um, with the interview with you, um, so that means that you funded everything yourself from the start. Can you talk a little bit about what, I don't, and I don't need exact numbers, but what have you done, you know, paying out of pocket? What have you found yourself being responsible for? I know you did a GoFundMe to raise money, but a little bit about how you've been creative to actually, you know, get the funding together on your own to, to pay for your career so far. Yeah, so when I started out, uh, I was working a job. I worked at an ad agency, and I started saving money. But the majority of the stuff that I made initially was actually funded by my bar mitzvah savings so that my parents wouldn't let me touch. And it was about like six to $8,000 total that, you know, I, I had after graduation, and my parents wouldn't let me touch it until after I graduated college. 
it was there, and you could. I was thinking about what I could do with it, and I could buy a couch when I'm like 32 with it, or I could pursue my dreams. So I spent, you know, that money on the first like eight videos or so to get it off the ground. Uh, I then ran out of money. Like I started building a fan base by putting my videos online, my mixtapes. So I had no real friends in the industry either. Uh, so I was just downloading other people's beats online and. Uh, making songs and giving it away for free. So at the beginning, there was no real profit in it for me. I simply wanted to build a fan base. And it got to a point where I had built a fan base, but I no longer had any of that bar mitzvah money, and I was just out of money. And at that point, it was uh, time to, A, I knew that I had to create a product that was sellable. I had to monetize this whole thing. It's like good to build a fan base, but eventually you're going to have to click a button and start monetizing. So the moment for me came, how can I fund what I need to make next to just to then monetize it. So I did a Kickstarter, and I raised $113,000, and that allowed me to quit my job, and then that Kickstarter money, honestly, it went pretty quickly, but it, it went to things like studio time, getting features on my album, uh, music videos, and, like, you know, I spent well more than the $113,000 um, that I got on, like, the album and the music videos, but that, in addition to... I basically needed money to, to get it really off the ground. That $113,000 allowed me to make more stuff while I started getting a touring business going, and then the touring business started picking up. And now pretty much all the money I make is through touring. It's like I get X amount of money per show, and it's a, pretty, it's a lot of money at this point. And then now, you know, no one really touches that money but me, and I guess, you know, my talent agency, but it's not split up, you know, by a label or anything. And I take that money now and I reinvest it. So along the way, what have you thought that maybe you wasted money on that you didn't have to spend it on, or what did you think that you spent your money the most wisely on what was the most effective for you and the least effective that you thought you spent along the way? Mm-hmm. Trying to think of wasted money. I like, you know, I know this is cliche, but I really try not to waste money. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the best... The money that was best spent for me was on either the music video, so a guy like me. So one thing labels can really do is radio. Like labels really control the radio. So by by being a like a quirky kind of non-traditional artist and b having no label support, it's much harder. It's much bigger of a challenge to to get a song on the radio. So I needed a way to have my music transcend simply SoundCloud to get like attention. You know what I mean? And uh, the thing I invested my money in was music videos. So now I have these, like, really well-done music videos that cost, like, 20 grand a pop. And they go viral. And what that does is it's like, you know, I have videos that have millions of views that songs have never been on the radio, but I bet you people, just as many people have seen that video and heard that song as people that might have songs on the radio. So it just allows me, like, a unique way to, I guess, spread throughout the country in a non-traditional way. So music videos is always the biggest investment for me. And beyond that, features. Uh, like, you know, I, when I started out, I didn't have any allies in the industry to, to some extent. And it was just me sending things blindly to rappers' management, hoping that the rappers liked it, and then it came down to paying their quote. And I think, you know, there's just a certain sense of credibility that comes along with the feature. And getting the right features, that was worth every, every penny. So features and music videos feel like the most important thing. Music videos for reach, features for credibility. And then if I'm thinking about wasted money, you know, there are times where we, like, decided to, rather than, like, get on, go on the road for five straight weeks and run a bus, we, like, flew out every weekend 
and it's just tons of flights. But I almost don't regret that because I needed to be in L.A. during the middle of the week. It was a more expensive way to tour, but I needed to do it to finish my album. So I don't know that I could point to like a really unjustified expense. It's kind of, I know it's cliche, but it's my whole thing, and it's weird. No, but that's also you being, I think what you're also getting across is literally being smart, smart about the money that you wind up getting, getting it from Kickstarter, getting it from your bar mitzvah. You've got to be smart about yeah. what you're spending it on. And that, you know, adds into, you know, how many people do you bring on the road with you? How many, you know, how do you uh, share rooms or not share rooms on the road? All those type of things where you can cut costs where other people might live more lavishly once they become an artist, you know? For sure, yeah. Like, you know, I still drive a 2002 Toyota Avalon that my grandfather willed to me. Like, I'm still driving that car. I still, when we go on the road, like, we're, I'm in a room with my manager. Like, we share a room. I don't have any friends on tour with me. Like, everybody who's on tour is completely necessary. Because it's all uh, a cost. It's all a cost. Okay. And when you're an independent artist, it's coming out of your pocket. When you're when your major label artist, it's coming out of your pocket, too, but you don't see it coming the same way, right? Right, for sure. Now, do you think at any point in your career it's something where you'd want to entertain looking at a major label, or do you think you figured out the route as an independent artist um, with videos, with everything that you're doing, that you don't really even need that, or you see the value in You know, it really depends on what I can do on my own. Like, if, like I'm not satisfied with where I'm at right now. Like, if this is the furthest I got, then I, I think I failed pretty massively in my opinion. So it's like, you know, I, I, it's impressive where I've gotten it, but there's so many more. It's like, how do you become one of the more influential artists in the industry and it's like maybe you can do it independently I think people have proven it like Chance the Rapper is the best example to me there's obviously Macklemore but you know it's all very case by case to me there's like initially I really had a lot of pride in being independent just because it's cool to say that and I think with me too as like a non-traditional artist signing with a label initially would have been a very bad move because I had no leverage creatively and I think people might have been more inclined to put me in a box to try to make me into something I'm not and, like, my ideas are, you know, I have an 11-minute song on my album that without proving myself, a label might have been, like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, you should, you could, no one cares about this. But I've proven that people care about it, and I can do things my own way. So now all the fears from signing with a label from before about just, like, losing creative freedom and uh, them not understanding me, that's all kind of gone out the window. So now the only, there's, the only real advantage to being independent is, I mean, financially you give up less money. But it's cool, I guess, to say from a prior perspective, yeah, uh, I'm independent. But beyond that, there's not much value. Like, I wouldn't rule out signing with a label. Um, I just think it needs to be at a time where there's no question that like, I am the boss. Like, I don't care if fucking the head of the label says to me, like, I don't want the song on, on you know, you can't do it. I, I have to have something in, like, writing where it says, no, I have, like, the final veto power or whatever. And uh, I think I'm building my way towards that. And then, you know, there's, there's value. Like, a label can push a button and then you explode. Like, I, I'm not naive to that. I, I'm popular and I'm building a buzz, but there's a much bigger difference in, like, uh, save that money where it's at right now, like, in terms of exposure compared to uh, where Thrift Shop was or where, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of other big songs. I mean, like, Post Malone, White Iverson, like, as soon as you signed the label, that song took off, you know what I mean? And I just right. think there's, like, ways that people can, you can push a button I think in labels. Well, you get a building behind you. I mean, we always say you get the building behind you. Yeah, and you you get this, you get this kind of, you get the support system that knows what they're doing with it. 
and the relationships. It's like these guys have all the relationships with the radio people. So it's like, you know, I can hire out independent people all day long and they can work radio stuff. But, you know, these guys at Warner and, like, the majors that have been doing this for 30 years that have all the relationships with the people that pull the trigger from a radio perspective. And they have all the leverage. It's like, uh, like a, a, la- a radio station is more inclined to listen to a label when it comes to radio because that label can then be like, okay, like, you know, if, if you want all the good shit from, like, fucking Big Sean and Kanye and all that and hear out this other guy. You know what I mean? It's like they have all the artists, so they have the leverage. Whereas an independent guy, like the guys that, you know, I'm, you know, I hire independent people to work the radio, but they have no ability to be like, if you want Lil Dick, like if you want these other bigger acts, you got to have Lil Dick. You know what I mean? So it's just a leverage thing. Totally. It's also the major label also has a roster. So all of a sudden you have, if, you know, being on a major, you would have opportunities to guest appearances that you might have had to fight for in a different way before or pay a different amount of money than you did because, you know, when they're your label mate, it's easier to see that collaboration happen. We see it all the time. Two people on Death Jam work together. Two people on Atlantic work together. It does help when you're sometimes on the label to be able to get other people within that label collaborate with you based off the label interacting. So it helps with those relationships in that capacity. Um, but more to that, I'm wondering with you, yeah. do you, do you think that, um, you proving yourself successfully as an independent artist up to this point, you said you've been putting music out online for three years and, and as long as you continually do it, that by the time maybe you do sit with a major label, you've proved kind of maybe your experience and your value on the independent side by getting yourself very familiar and succeeding within it, that you've got maybe, uh, more power when you sit down and negotiate with a a major because you understand more down the road after this experience? Well, I think it's beyond the symptom. I mean, I'm like a non, like I'm a pretty smart person, A, and like a bit, you know, I was, I fucking majored, I have a business degree. Like the where I went was like the number one business school in the country when I graduated. Like I'm like a non-traditional, I guess, rapper in that sense in terms of having like a complete background in this kind of stuff. But I think it's beyond having an understanding, it's more proving, it's like, it really is about proving yourself. And I think if you've proven yourself uh, valuable, then they're going to, you're going to, your deal is just going to be that much better. Like if I, a year and a half ago, I've been approached since day one by labels, but whatever deal that I was able to get a year and a half ago, hails in comparison to the deal that I'd be able to get today. But now it'd be more like a, a partnership. Okay, so first of all, the dude took his bar mitzvah money. <laughs> he t- he saved it. He I didn't even him. spend it. His bar mitzvah number money was in thirteen. He didn't spend it. He wasn't allowed to spend it. His parents were letting him spend it on whatever, and he saved it up to spend some money to get in hip hop with it. And then he starts a Kickstarter, GoFundMe, whichever one it is. I know I got it wrong to go and raise one hundred and thirteen thousand dollars. Amazing. That's that's it. That's finding. I mean, the indie thing is finding creative routes to do things you know how you're not going to get so i guess you sign to a label i guess it's a few different ways you can sign to the guy in the industry into the in the hood or somewhere like that he's going to fund you at his label at his studio he's going to let you record for free maybe it's an established artist that you're underneath and you're going to get to record for free and have some expenses and travel around the world with one of those dudes you know being the hype man or you're going to sign to a major label and you're going to try to grind so you're relevant to them right um or you can figure out a creative way to do it completely on your own so that you can build your buzz enough so you have control. And I think that's what we're seeing with Dickies. He's saying, mm-hmm. I don't want to sign a situation where I'm not going to be in complete control. I don't have the upper hand now. So I'm not signing anything until I do have the upper hand. 
which is there's nothing but different options to do. Now, how do you get the upper hand? You have to make yourself so desirable right. that signing you, well, they're going to bend over backwards just to get you rather than you're lucky to get signed. Because I think as we spoke to a few different people so far, and I don't even remember anymore, I mean, it's not hard to get signed as much anymore as no. it is to actually succeed. It used to be the win was, oh my God, you signed to a record label. Now a lot of people get record deals. Or they don't even have to. And we saw some guy in the countdown for, um, you know, hip-hop countdown on Apple the other day. We had no idea who the guy's, guy was. We'd never even heard of him. And he's in the top Oh, 10. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not going to shout him out because I don't haven't listened to it yet. So I don't want to <laughs> co-sign him. But um, it's weird how it works. And I think the one thing is the indie-verse majors, a lot of people end up on a major. But it's right. the route they take to get there in a lot of ways to build it up. And if you're going to be indie, I mean, that's a lot of work. Oh, hell yeah. That's a lot of work. We could have done with another interview from a Chance or a Tech 9 talking about staying indie and what that means for them or Macklemore. Mm -hmm. But um, those guys are busy right now. You could tell Dickie's making all the, the right moves. I was dying when he said that he still drives um, the 2002 Toyota Avalon. That yeah, he's got his same car, exactly. And then <laughs> he said, you know, I'm making a lot of my money now off shows. Yeah. You know, so that's a big factor is, is the show money getting up from people getting to be more of fans, you know? I mean, it always comes back to if they want to listen to your music or not, but that's the core of this whole thing. Um, so I think that's it. I don't know how many more episodes we have. I know we have a next episode is Keeping the Bullshit Away. Yes. That's Kevin Gates, Cortez Bryant, and um, Big Sean Big we Sean. speak to. And that's just taking all the bullshit that's going on and how to keep it away from you and not muck up your mind or keep you from making good decisions or how to just not get caught up in the drama I think it is or your personal drama and, and your success drama and career drama and all that yeah. cool then still send your music we're getting it we're receiving it we're listening to it we don't know what we're gonna do with it yet maybe a new podcast with new artists but um, xxl at xxlmag.com let us know what you think of the podcast go to the iTunes store and tell them what you think of the podcast yes and we're out, right? Spread the word, spread the word. Thank you. Thank you.